Welcome to Share the Bytes, episode 23, 3D printing in space. Hello, Grant. Ian, good to see you. Yes, always a pleasure. <laughs> Nobody else can see us, but uh, we're we're talking on video, and uh, we're just recording the audio uh, section. <laughs> yes, yep. Staying indoors in this uh, very interesting weather we're having. Oh my goodness! Uh, it's all the ash on the cars is uh, not something I expected from the wildfires here in California. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's one of those where stay indoors, close all the windows. If you have our filters, run them. Yeah, because it, it is pretty bad out there. But wear a mask. Yes, wear a mask. So just uh, yeah, just keep trucking along and you know finding uh, ways to keep yourself entertained at home. And I think we got a great discussion tonight. So hopefully you're listening and you find this topic interesting. So Grant, why don't you start us off on what we've got? So we're going to talk tonight about 3D printing in space. Yes. And for those of you who are brand new to 3D printing, that is where you are taking a you know plastic or a resin and you're creating an object layer by layer, stacking it. And there's multiple different ways of doing that. But if you have a model and you feed that model into a machine and that machine basically prints, just like you would see with a printer, laser printer, desk jet, you know, instead of spraying ink, it sprays down plastic layer by layer to build your object. It's called additive manufacturing, yes. and so instead of uh, you know taking a something a block of something and then carving from it, it's the opposite. It's basically building it layer by layer, uh, each slice, uh, and then moving the the print bed, and then laying down another slice uh, all the way up to the top of what you're printing. Yeah, and what's really exciting about it is you can make almost anything you want. If you need a tool, you can print the tool. Uh, one of my favorite things is I love printing uh, cable ties because I have a lot of computer uh, cables around and I want to organize them. So I will uh, print off uh, basically a cable clamp, which will just hold them all together. And it has oh, a hinge cool. and everything. That's nice. That's nice. Like cable ties themselves. Those are like a buck for like 50 of them. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want something that's really big and, hey, it looks cool and you can pretty much choose any color you want. I mean, come on. I've got glow-in-the-dark filament. I mean, come on. Glow-in-the-dark cable. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want glow-in-the-dark cables for their computer yeah. setup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with being able to make your own tools or, more importantly, make your own replacement parts, that becomes very interesting and very important for the future of space travel because you're going to oh, be away from we're, we're, we're really talking about a technology that's still developing. I mean, it's only been around for how many years? Probably. I mean, well, actually the idea of 3d printing, which is defined, it's original name was called sterile lithography. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been around since the seventies mm -hmm. and it was normally resin based. But it's been within the last decade that it's actually yeah. become available to the consumer, cheap enough and available enough. The technology has been able to grow. So anybody and everybody can have their own 3D printer in their house for almost just like $100. And if yeah. you're really inventive, you can do it for less than that. 
the prices have really come down. Now, there are limitations still with the technology. We're still usually talking about plastics. Yes. Uh, PLA, uh, what, what other uh, kinds of plastics? ABS. ABS. Yeah, and then there's different hybrids of plastics. You know, the more, yeah, the, the more uh, f- fancy 3D printers, uh, again, they'll do also like uh, wood-type resins or metallic mm-hmm. resins. That's interesting. Yeah, Metall- and then Metall- yeah. your bleeding edge ones will do food three uh, D printing food. Yeah, yeah, they've printed like body parts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, three D printing body parts, and now they're even three D printing buildings that are almost ready to move in. Have you seen that uh, development down in Mexico that they've been doing? I've heard about it. Yeah, it's in Tabasco, I think. Uh, it's uh, basically homes for uh, a community that. Uh, you know, need some homes uh, due to disaster, natural disaster, I believe. And they're just 3D printing them. It's one of the first communities ever to be 3D printed, which I think is fantastic. I mean, the housing shortage in a lot of areas is not great. Yeah. <laughs> not a great situation. Uh, and the shortage is, is great. And so filling that and being able to house everybody, uh, you know, kind of makes sense. Uh, that's If you're homeless, that's the first thing you need is housing. Yeah, absolutely. So again, if you can take this technology and again make your own house, make your own part uh, parts, replacement parts, or tools that you need, yeah. you can be away from the planet Earth. And let's say if you're on a space station or a rocket, or maybe on the Moon or Mars, you don't have easy access to the manufacturing capabilities we have on this uh, blue ball that we call home. Yeah, uh, this guy named Jason Dunn was an intern at NASA, and I started watching this National Geographic. We'll put the link in the uh, the notes uh, where he you know started in NASA and he wanted to be a rocket scientist, and they canceled the space shuttle program on him, and he wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, "How can I help if I'm not going to work on the rockets themselves?" And he says, "Hmm, everything that's been sent into space is very expensive." Because you got to launch it on a rocket. Yep. And uh, if you can free up the uh, need to ship everything from the Earth out into space, you can greatly advance the uh, any kind of space exploration or, or activities. Yeah, exactly. Because everything that is launched, I mean, it's weight. And then yep. the, also the thing is, is whether or not you need that part. Because let's say... You know, for whatever reason, a component on your ships fails. Well, you need to have a spare, but maybe <laughs> you didn't pack one because the reliability was supposed to be 100%. Or, you know, of course, that will never happen. Uh, or not. it breaks down constantly. And okay, you've run out of parts. So the best thing you can do is make your own. And that way, if you can have a generic stock material, or if you can recycle materials that are already using, and that's really most important. If you can say, let's say a part breaks down, you can recycle it to print yourself a brand new one. Yes. You save yourself that weight. Uh, and that way you can load more you know, other equipment such as you know, uh, scientific uh, experiments or medical supplies or whatever you might need. And then when you talk from planetary expl- exploration, that's when you start using the natural resources of something like the moon or on Mars to 3D print what you need. In situ, they call it. Yes. <laughs> using the materials at hand wherever you're going to, you know, live there. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, if you have to ship everything from, from the ground, 
uh, right right now in the ISS. There are a bunch of spare parts up there. They're taking up lots of space, a lot of weight, uh, just in case, because it's really hard to get stuff up in space. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to have an emergency and not have the, what you need uh, to deal with it. So, uh, you know, if you're in the space station, it's relatively easy, even though it's tough to get it up there. It's relatively easy. You get further away, you're talking days or months or years <laughs> to get whatever you need from good old Mother Earth if yeah. you're not nearby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, more important. Yeah. yeah. So as you introduced, uh, it was, uh, Jason Dunn, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he started this uh, company called Made in Space. Yes. And they, in fact, sent their the first 3D printer back in 2014. Yeah, they're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were still hearing about 3D printing in 2014. Yeah, and they actually used a method of uh, in the 3D printing methodology that most people are used to, which is called you know fused deposition modeling, which is again squirting out you know a thin bead of plastic on mm -hmm. top of each other, layer by layer, building it up. And mm -hmm. so they used something very similar with their 3D printer for the ISS. And what was really cool is they recognized that hey. The part that they made on Earth and the part that they made in space were virtually identical. Gravity did not, uh, or the lack of gravity, did not have an effect on the strength of the part that they printed. For that material. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So now they're working on, okay, what other materials can you print with? And then also, more importantly, about recycling. You know, let's say you have food and, you know, food comes in packages. Mm -hmm. You know, could you recycle those food packages into a 3D printable material? Yeah. So that way yeah. you're just reusing rather than waste. Right. Yeah. If you can uh, make the most use of every molecule that you send up in multiple uh, iterations or multiple lifetimes, uh, multiple you know instances, that's mm -hmm. great. That saves a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, and the one that I I heard about the the uh, fabricator uh, in the uh, Spacecast Weekly uh, back in June uh, of this year, 2020. And they had a, a segment uh, a, on the uh, fabricator, the 3D printer that was sent up there earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they uh, are doing a lot of new experiments now. So we kind of look at, you know, what do we think might be the future, you know, for 3D printing, particularly in space or in travel? Because, you know, here on Earth, we have, you know, the, basically the two most popular ways of 3D printing. Fused deposition modeling, which is squirting out the plastic layer by layer. Mm -hmm. And then the sterile lithography, which is the resin, which it's a pool of resin. And then a UV light shines on the resin. It sticks. It still builds it layer by layer. That's a lot harder to do at DIY. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about a, a more expensive uh, printer in that case. Yeah. Yes. But uh, it's one of those things where, you know, in the case of microgravity that's what you're lacking is gravity right so your material needs to be able to you know hold itself or you know not float around mm -hmm. you need to be able to heat it properly you also want to make sure it's not it's not toxic or too toxic yeah. just in case of an emergency mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of um, environmental issues that are you know unique to enclosed environments like that uh, mm -hmm. that we don't think about now all that much down here on earth yeah and then if you're talking about from a planetary point of view 
you know, could you use the natural resources like the rocks or the dirt or, you know, the dust or whatever have you on something like the moon or Mars to actually build an enclosed structure for future space travelers or settlers? Yeah, there was a competition done by NASA to do just that on the Mars. And uh, they had a competition to create shelters out of uh, the, the materials that you would find there. And uh, there was one cool design that was, you know, basically squirted out, 3D printed, that uh, did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, so we'd love to find out more about this, but it's really kind of uh, in its infancy right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, you know, people coming up with ideas of what can they do in space? What is the future for 3D printing in space? My first exposure to 3D printing was, uh, well, you helped me out. <laughs> and uh, it, it was interesting because it's like, oh, okay, you can do anything you want as long as it's plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the material side of things, once that evolves some more, I think you're going to see more and more interesting stuff. Uh, the printer on the space station, they, uh, I don't know if down on earth you can recycle prints that easily, but up in the space station, they can, that was one of the design criteria for their 3d printing. Yeah. So they can actually do that, which and is... I think they call that one a refabricator. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, you make a good point is the materials is probably going to be the technological leap that will make this possible. Yeah. Uh, metal, obviously, being one of the most um, probably sought after types of uh, materials that people would like to do mm-hmm. on demand. Uh, but I mean, you know, with the science, the medical and scientific uh, breakthroughs they're having now, I mean, it could be a, a great help to medical situations uh, far from Earth as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of potential here, a lot of interest. Again, I think this covers uh, two of our favorite subjects, space and 3D printing. Yeah. It's so great that it can all come (laughs) together in one piece. It's interesting that, you know, you got to reuse these rockets and now you got to reuse even the materials. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think there's a theme there. It's all about, uh, you know, whole systems and recycling and reusing uh, to be, you know, more effective. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep our eye out on uh, what is happening. And if uh, new stuff comes up, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about it and, you know, get some ideas going. So, you know, we hope uh, everybody's enjoyed this episode and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep. Take care. All right. See you later, Grant. Adios. Adios.